We've talked about this before, but it bears repeating that Handel was deeply influenced by Scripture, especially as he came to understand not just what the gospel said about Jesus, but about how Jesus had been foretold to come to be among his people, to be the Savior of the world for all of us. So he put together the Messiah, this magnificent piece that we usually hear uh, just in the Hallelujah Chorus sung at Easter, perhaps other times of the year, but there are these arias, these special portions of the Messiah that I think Handel knew that only a few people would be able to sing well. You have to have amazing breath control. That's one thing. And then, of course, you have to be able to hit the notes and to do it well. Laura did a magnificent job this morning of showing us what Handel had in mind when he envisioned this wonderful, remarkable piece. So, Laura, thank you again. We are very grateful. I would have lasted about one quarter of that time on those long runs. So it's probably good I'm not singing, but rather preaching. Ran across a, an old letter uh, on the Internet that had been written in 1789. It was a letter written to Jean-Baptiste Leroy. It was written by Benjamin Franklin. Franklin was writing to his friends that our new constitution is now established and has an appearance that promises permanency. But in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. You've heard that phrase before. Nothing can be certain except death and taxes. Now, the remainder, a reminder, I should say, of taxes is looming right before us right now. It's just in a few weeks, your 2021 tax returns are due. I know there will be extensions, but here we are, tax time. Death, though, death is far more ambiguous. But let's be honest, we're all going to die. At least this body will die. As a pastor, I have sat with hundreds as they drew their last breath. For me, it's a sacred moment, but it also radiates finality. Something has changed that will not be the same ever again. In August 2015, I sat beside my father as he took his last breath. It was a hard time. It was very hard. But even as it was hard to see my dad die, I also had this peace, this hope. Not because of what I saw. Losing my dad was hard. But I had that hope and that peace because of what I believe. You see, I have hope. I believe in eternal life. It's very hard to lose your dad, to lose anyone you love. But it's harder if you don't have hope. Much, much harder. My hope is in Jesus Christ, in his life, his death, and most certainly in his resurrection. And I find that hope portrayed in the story of the death of Lazarus. Now, this is an incredible story, an amazing story. But it can be, and in fact, I've experienced this recently with some, it can be careful or painful if we're not careful. See, it would be easy to assume that if God loves you, then God will give you a miracle. Some folks do think that way. Even overcome death. And certainly God works miracles, overcomes death, but sometimes we want it to be for us or the ones we love. Now, the problem with following that path 
is that if we don't get the miracle we've prayed for, then we assume that God must not love us. And I've seen that as well. But that is wrong. It is very, very wrong. Because Scripture is clear that God loves all of us. That nothing, not anything in all of creation, can separate us, not you, not me, not anyone, from the love of God. And Scripture tells us that in life we will all experience rain and sunshine. Of course, that's the scriptural metaphor for both the wonderful and the awful things of life. There will be both, no matter how we have lived. Those things happen, but let's not make the mistake of seeing those awful things, those rain-filled things, as retribution from God. Because God loves us. And God is not arbitrarily, maliciously, capriciously nailing us. God always and forever loves us, is what Scripture tells us. So with that understanding, we look at the story of Lazarus. It's a story of a miracle. Because it shows the power of God over death. But it's also a reminder of who Jesus is. The Savior of the world. The one who provides for us the gift of eternal life. Your preacher will never do that for you. Your church will never do that for you. That's what God does for you. This story, the story of Lazarus, reminds me and I think all of us of our own mortality. But it also reminds us of the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. We will not all die, Paul says. We will all be raised We learn that there is more than death ahead of us. There is a gift. The gift of God-given immortality. So let's look at this text this morning, this story of Lazarus. It's found in John chapter 11, and I'm not going to read it all to you, the whole 45 verses. I'm going to read you more of a, a summary, condensed version. But please go home and read that, that whole 45 verses of chapter 11 from the Gospel of John. Now Lazarus of Bethany, the brother of Mary and Martha, was ill. Mary sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. And when Jesus got this message, he said, This illness does not lead to death, rather it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Even so, Jesus stayed another two days. Then when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had died and been buried for four days. Now, Lazarus' home in Bethany, Jerusalem was only two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to comfort them about their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and she met him. Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but... Even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And then Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. 
Now, when Mary saw Jesus, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him? Well, they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, You know, he opened the eyes of the blind man. Why couldn't he keep this man from dying? And Jesus came to the tomb, which is a cave covered with a stone. Jesus said, Take away the stone. But Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, he has been dead four days and there is a stench. And Jesus said to her, Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me, for always hearing me. I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing there so that they may believe that you sent me. Then Jesus said, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to those standing there, Unbind him and let him go. Now many of the Jews saw what Jesus did and believed in him. If you look at this story, as it unfolds, it begins with this peculiar response by Jesus. See, there's an urgent situation that's been brought to his attention. Lazarus is deathly ill. you got to come right now. But instead of rushing off to his friend's side, we're told that Jesus loved him. Jesus proclaims that Lazarus' illness will not lead to death, but to God's glory. So he lingers two more days before journeying to Bethany. That word lingers is interesting. He doesn't say he has something urgent, something critical to do. He's doing the best he can, but i got to get this done, otherwise there's another disaster. John intentionally uses that word, kind of hangs around, takes his time. That's a peculiar response, isn't it? Then we learn that it's two more days. Why two days? Well, Lazarus, as it turns out, we find out that immediately after the messenger found Jesus, and by the time Jesus reaches the tomb on the fourth day, Lazarus had died. There's an old Jewish belief that after death, our spirits hover for a period of three days before moving on. You hear that? The Jews that were there believed that the spirit of Lazarus would hang around for about three days, and then it would move on. By not raising Lazarus until the fourth day, there could be no doubt that Lazarus was dead and gone, both physically and spiritually gone. But then there's that other peculiar thing, the reaction of the sisters. Most of us are going to find ourselves either as Martha or Mary. Martha trusts Jesus' words. Mary needs actions, not words. Martha rushes to meet Jesus, voicing the disappointment. I think the disappointment that we all have faced with the death of one we love. But quickly, she, she wants to turn that doubt to faith that hurt to faith, 
She says, I do believe in eternal life. But Mary, just if you watch carefully, Martha's running to meet Jesus. Mary's staying home. I mean, she's upset. And I think rightly so, understandably so. Mary stayed home, perhaps, we don't know for certain, perhaps nurturing resentment. They did send a message to him. They did ask him to come, and he lingered. It took his time getting there. Maybe she's letting him know how she feels. She's going to linger for a while. Martha, you can run meet him, but Mary's going to stay home. Two reactions. So let me ask you a question that's important to decide. Who do you think Jesus loved more? Martha, who ran to meet him and said the right thing, or Mary, who stayed home and only has a complaint? That's why I started this sermon the way that I did, because God loves both of them equally. You can be at peace when someone you love dies, accept the finality of their death, accept God's comfort, Or you can be furious with God that the one you loved has died. Either way, God will not love you any more or any less. Our feelings do not determine God's love. God chooses to love us. So what's remarkable about this story is that the love of Jesus Christ is not directed by Well, how people are behaving, what they're doing, if they're saying the right thing, if they belong to the right church, if they put enough money in the offering plate. God loves all of us profoundly equally. And even better, we're offered the story of Lazarus not simply as a miracle, but as an important reminder of God's power over death. What do you think I was thinking about when I sat at my dad's bedside and he took his last breath? This victory over death, the death of those we love, and certainly our death one day, because I've pondered that a lot. You cannot sit at the bedside of hundreds of people dying and not think about your own death. But that gives us a hint, a hint of Christ's destiny as well as our own. We're being steered towards Easter. You know that. That's what Lynn is about. And this story is steering us in a strong way towards a time when the stone will be rolled away from the tomb of Jesus. Jesus will die, leaving his friends, his close friends, weeping. And like Lazarus, Jesus will be laid in a rocky tomb. Like Lazarus, Jesus will rise to new life. He will walk past a gravestone and emerge into the bright sunshine with no need for burial cloths. Like Lazarus, Jesus will be given new life so that we all will be able to see the glory of God. But this victory is more than just a preview of Easter. For very importantly, it points to our destiny as well. How many times have I stood at our columbarium here or at any number of cemeteries and said, you will never find that person here? The remainder, the reminder, yes. The human remains, yes, but you will not find them here. Death could not hold Lazarus, nor could it hold Jesus, nor will it hold us. That's the power of God. 
If we believe in Christ, we join Martha in confessing Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, and we will experience a victory of our own. Illness, sin, suffering, and death will not defeat us in any ultimate sense. We may struggle with it, but it does not own us. It cannot claim us. Though this body will die, we, you and I, will be raised to a new life. As Lazarus was, coming into that time and that place where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more death. I know what the pain of death does. When you lose somebody you love, it makes us impatient. Because as it's approaching, truthfully, we usually want it done our way. We see that problem in the 21st verse of chapter 11. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That phrase is pregnant with challenge. It could be rewritten in other ways. Why didn't you come when we called? Where have you been? Do you really care? God, why did this happen? I've heard all of those. So Martha asked the question that we all ask when we're faced with pain and tragedy. Why, God? Why? It's hard to be patient, to accept what's going on, to believe that good will eventually be done, because death seems so final. It looks like the end of everything. I know it's hard to stand at the grave and to believe that there's life beyond death. But can you believe, even a little bit, that when we die in this life, there is still that great gift to come? The gift that this story points to, that Easter brings home the gift of eternal life. Folks, illness and death will come. But hear me clearly, it is not the final solution. Even in those dark places, God is there. In the darkness, there is light because God has his glorious plan for us. Of course we will die, but yet shall we live is the affirmation of Scripture. It seems hard to believe, perhaps, and we're impatient, but God has given us a hope that transcends death itself. And it comes according to God's own timetable, not our own. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in the first 51st verse. Listen. Pay attention. I tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed. It's going to come in the moment, and the twinkling of an eye will come at the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable. We will be changed. For this perishable body must put on imperishability. This mortal body must put on immortality. What do you think I was thinking about when I was sitting with my dad? This is what was resonant in my mind. For when this perishable body puts on this imperishability and the mortal body puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death has been swallowed up in victory. I've learned that the story of Lazarus, among many reasons, is there to remind us, each of us, that when death comes, the death of someone we love or our own death, there is great hope. There is the promise of eternal life. And as someone once said wisely, 
Death is not the extinguishing of the light for the Christian. It's putting out the lamp because the dawn has come. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for showing us what your power, your power over death looks like. Sometimes we stand at that moment of uncertainty, praying and hoping that there's more. And so you came and you showed us point blank that darkness and death cannot stop the power of your love. And it's in you that we find that hope. Not just hope for the moment, but eternal hope. We give you thanks for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died that we might live. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. As I said, my journey as a pastor has led me to many different settings, hospitals, nursing homes, people's homes where they've taken their last breath. But some of those times are vivid. They're unforgettable. One was in a nursing home. I'd gotten word that one of our members was facing her last moments. So I went. There was no family there, which, of course, was sad. There were no friends there. It was just her and me. We prayed. She wasn't very responsive. She was fading quickly. But just before she drew that last breath, she opened her eyes wide, and she looked up, and she said, Oh, my, it is beautiful. How wonderful. And then she died. That's what God offers us, that beauty, that wonder. And so death, yes, it is hard. But listen to the words of the Savior, of Jesus Christ. I have come that you might have life. Go now in love and go in peace. Amen.